0: Oda, 30 feet away, jumper in the air. He's got it. has won it for
1: Rhode Island. In traffic, off balance shot. Banked down! Jared Terrell and Rhode Island <laughs> has done it
0: in the final five seconds on a circus shot from Jared Terrell. A career high night for him and a victory for Rhode Island. Run up. Dutton,
2: run out. Look out below. Terrell wins.
1: Oh, steal by Fats Russell off of Young. Three. Oh! <laughs> oh! Don't
2: do it to him like that, Fats. Dribbles into the forecourt. Iverson going up. He dunks it home as the buzzer's found. And Rode, the 8-10 champs. All right, Rode fans, welcome to a special episode of Rode Baseline. We're joined by two special guests today. Nathan Strauss of UMass and Paige Messier working as a URI student and with the A-10. But before we get to those interviews, Gary and I just want to say thank you to all of our roadie fans out there for purchasing Super Bowl Squares this past couple of weeks with with half the money going to the Live Like Russ Foundation. I know Stone Freeman and his family really appreciate it, but Gary and I really appreciate it as well. And be on the lookout because we may do a bracket challenge next month gary yeah
0: that's right don't forget to follow us facebook twitter and instagram at rudy baseline and obviously as andrew said thank you so much to everyone who purchased super bowl squares half that money going to the live like russ foundation to help them out uh, which is always great and yeah keep an eye out we may do a bracket challenge if there is interest there but yes two big interviews with The men having a game Wednesday against VCU and then Saturday against UMass and the women having the biggest game of the year happening Thursday against UMass at the Ryan Center as well. With that, let's go first over to Nathan Strauss uh, in his interview with us. Let's go to that now.
2: All right, Rhodey Baseline fans, we are joined now by UMass. Play by play announcer for Nesson, ESPN Plus, Learfield, pretty much anything UMass related. He is their play-by-play guy as we are getting ready to talk about one of the biggest weeks in UMass URI history. If you could maybe, maybe a little bit overreacting. But thank you for joining us, Nathan. Thank you guys for having me. It's uh it's a pleasure. Yeah. So we'll uh I guess we'll jump right into it because I think we'll spend more time on the women's matchup with but. With the men, obviously, it's we play each other on, I believe it's Saturday down in Kingston, and it's uh, two first-year coaches, two first-year programs, both struggling a little bit. What can you tell us about how UMass has been since the last time when you guys beat us by 10 points up in Amherst?
1: Well, in the interest of full disclosure, so I do a lot of the women's games, uh, okay. and uh, Jay Burnham my boss is the the men's play-by-play guy, but I do watch all of the games. And really the last game against URI was probably the uh the the last sort of emotional high point for this season. UMass has been dealing with a ton of injuries to three of our guards. So RJ Luis uh returned yesterday against LaSalle, but he missed mm-hmm. two games after getting put in concussion protocol as a result of an injury that he sustained during a game. Uh Noah Fernandes mm-hmm. still has not made his return. Uh, to the lineup. He's been banged up since December. And Rasul Diggins, who was brought in from UConn as a transfer this last season, a, a former top 100 kid, uh, he has also been injured as well. And he was, I believe, available yesterday, but not playing. So with only one healthy point guard for a couple of games and an injured, but Still very capable score coming back in RJ Lewis yesterday against LaSalle. It's been it's been an uphill climb. There have certainly been signs of improvement. The first halves of games have gone pretty well for UMass, but then I think a combination of fatigue and just available personnel has been hampering them a little bit. Now, one thing I do want to mention, and, and I
0: think you made a good point about this as well, right? You know, you had that high point against URI, and it's kind of been, you know, I would say downhill, and we've had our struggles as well at URI. For Like Andrew said, first-year head coaches Frank Martin with his first year. You know, from what we're hearing around, it seems a little bit frustrating around, and I think we understand that as well. Do you think the UMass fan base is being a little too harsh on Frank Martin, you know, with all the luck that he's had with all these entries and everything like that or you know do you think that there's obviously room for improvement coming up with with the the coaching
1: I think well I can't speak to that uh, but what I can say is that I think at the beginning of the season UMass goes on this awesome run they go down to a tough MTE in Myrtle Beach South Carolina and come away victorious beating Colorado in the process getting a buzzer beater um, in the process and Coming away with a a championship, an in-season tournament championship. And I think that set the expectations or artificially raised the expectations of a lot of folks for what this team is and and can be. Because when you start hot out of conference, people think this is what the team is going to play like every day. And, you know, it's the beginning of the season. So most teams are healthier then. And I think that it's been, I think the A-10 is a tricky conference this year in particular, even though it's not necessarily maybe as strong top to bottom. I think there's a lot of parity top to bottom. And you look at what URI has done in their wins in conference and, um, or even playing in close games with teams that they were heavy favorites uh, or rather heavy underdogs against. Uh, I think it's, I think it's tricky. And so I think if you evaluate this season uh, you know, if you take away the UMass name or take away the URI name and you say, look, this is a new coach coming into a, a school that, has been struggling in this conference for the last five or six years and with X amount of new players, et cetera, I think then it, this feels a lot more like a true first year. And as far as I think fans are entitled to feel how they feel. And as a, an alum of the school, you know, you want your team to win. But at the same time, you have to be at least somewhat committed to the process. And I'm you know, trying to balance those two ideas, I guess, as, as this goes forward. That's
2: a great way to look at it, especially from our view. We've had ups and downs as well, and obviously we are miles apart from where we were in November to now, so we definitely see improvement. But let's focus more on UMass URI. From an alumni standpoint and play-by-play, do you think the two coaches that are now ahead of these programs is good for the UMass URI rivalry and getting the so-called rivalry back to where we absolutely hate each other?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely think that I definitely think that that is the case. And I think we, we can talk about that on the women's side, too. Uh, but look, like, you know, UMass and URI both are in an interesting position as far as college athletics goes, because if you asked a UMass athlete who their biggest rival was, it would totally vary depending on the sport. So from a basketball perspective, URI has been a close rival. BC, when they play us, has been a, a close rival. Um, but on the hockey side, which is, you know, I guess, I think at this point, UMass is most successful sport, aside from women's hoops in terms of, I mean, they won a national championship, right? A couple of years ago. So you look at, if you ask a hockey player who their biggest rival was, they'd probably say maybe BU or Northeastern or BC. And if you asked a woman's lacrosse player, it would be different uh, because there just isn't always that continuity. If you ask a soccer player, it would be different too. So I think it's good when, first of all, big names are brought into the conference. Like, I just think that's good for the A-10 as a whole. Um, but, yeah, I do think that it's important that the rivalry is strong because, look, like, sports are fun, but also they're fun because they're contentious at times. And I remember being in the building when Trey Mitchell committed a clean block and ended up having a foul called that him that cost UMass a game before the end of that season. I mean, it was just an atrocious call. And I, I felt my heart, you know... Full of loathing for Kearney Blue ever since that day. Although I do respect the programs, you know it's it's not a right. it's not a true hatred. It's more of a these are rivals. You dislike yeah. rivals because that's the way it goes. You got him on the arm, but we're not going to get into that <laughs> argument. We're not. Getting oh, potato, it's potato. You know it's it's it's, it's, it's four years. It's, we're four years removed from that now, which is crazy. Like that was my sophomore that's, year. Wow, that was four years ago. Yeah, and for whatever reason, UMass is really been pretty dominant against URI since then. I mean, they came shorthanded to the Ryan center in the COVID year down two players and came away with a, a win uh, last year. I think they also, Mark Gasparini was hitting crazy threes. Like our yeah. grad school, big man transfer from the Patriot league was like coming up huge. So it's, uh it's been a weird rivalry in that, you know, it's, it's been, it's just been interesting. Yeah. And I think now
2: we can uh start shifting gears to, the main course of the week and quite frankly, might be one of the biggest games in a 10 women's basketball regular season. And as long as I can remember in URI UMass Thursday night at the Ryan center. And what can you, before we talk about how important the game is, what can you tell us about the women's team that we can expect Thursday night from the last game that URI and UMass played? I think it was about three, four weeks ago.
1: Yeah, it was back at that first week of January and UMass has been the most the best team in the A-10 over the last three years. They've won more games than anyone else. They won an A-10 championship. They've been, uh, you know, by the numbers, they have been the top scoring team in the A-10 since then as well. However, against URI, they have really, really struggled. And the Rams swept them last year uh, home and home over the course of like eight days. And then this year, Rhodey came in. UMass uh, had had lost, I believe, to Columbia the previous game. And it was the A-10 opener on January 4th. And it's a tough way to open your conference play with, you know, a game against the only other team that has a chance of making the NCAA tournament through an at-large. And UMass, for whatever reason, in the past couple of years has seen Rhode Island and gotten, I don't know if it's a little like hypnotized or what, but they really struggled in a way that they haven't struggled against any other team um, in the last three years of their, you know, of their being an elite A-10 women's basketball team. So, the hope is that they can pick up a win this afternoon against George Mason, extend the winning streak to ten games, and you have a potential matchup. Um, you know, it looks like URI is going to come away with this one pretty handily against a VCU team that's forgotten yeah, they're how to up score. twenty-two as we're recording this. In the oh, you're quarter. you're a, you're a little ahead of me. Then I think they must score on this possession. But yeah, URI has had their number in a way that no one else had. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's going to be you have to see which UMass team shows up because URI has been has figured out a way to neutralized them in the past so UMass has now three games worth of footage to build on and I'm really excited would you say that why maybe URI has a lot more success
2: against UMass than than UMass has against them would be the fact that URI has the bigs to shut down Sam Breen as much not as many as all the other teams in the A-10 have
1: Yeah, it's not just the big. So it's a combination of both. Most teams either have one or two good bigs or they are good volume three-point shooters. And Rhode Island does it both. So teams shoot more threes against UMass than all but one other team in the entire country because no one wants to attack down low against Sam Breen, but also against the defense of McKenna White and Angelique Galakalandi, who split time at the five because they're just too big and they're too solid. And we have very good defensive guards. However, if you can have a dual threat of going down low, but also shooting from three, which is what gave URI the win the first time out. They shot 10 of 17 from above the break threes and they made 14 threes on the afternoon. It's going to be really hard for teams to stay in the game, especially against a URI defense that is so elite. So I think you're right in that it's hard for Sam Breen offensively, but it's also on the other end of the floor where um, I think UMass really has to work against URI and no other team makes them work that hard.
2: And I think the other big thing is, as the ESPNU broadcast is is the depth. Not many teams in the conference have as much depth as Rhodey does, but UMass and URI are clearly the class of the A10, and I think they're destined to go play each other on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I think it's um it's interesting too because both head coaches have talked about this. It's two very different methods of program building. So UMass, with the exception of Sam Breen, has been, you know, entirely freshman recruits who coach Verdi has developed and Sam Breen even, you know, didn't play a whole lot at Penn state had to sit because it was the pre portal era and is now in the final year of her four year UMass career on the other side. (laughs) 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 Yeah. And then on the, but then on the other side, and it's a totally legitimate approach in today's day and age. And I know you have a, a very talented recruit coming in next year as well. Um, but it's been largely transfer portal. Um, building that has enabled you know your team to, to, to thrive and it's also a, a testament to the assistant coaching staff and the recruiting connections in France and Europe but you know you can bring in three sixth women's of the year and see how well they do together in elevated minutes you can bring in power five transfers and last year we saw a team that had that method of program building that didn't have success because they didn't gel in the same way that this year's team has so I think it's tricky. And it's almost like – I think sometimes you see see two teams play and you say, oh, it's like looking at a mirror. This is like the complete opposite of that. It's just two diametrically opposed ways of building a program in mid-major basketball.
2: So do you think from a – stand, obviously coaches and players will say, oh, where you take it one game at a time and we're not looking at it. But do you think that both teams had this game scheduled or had this game circled and that they both know that the intensity is about to get ramped up on Thursday night and that – from a standpoint how much this game needs and that it may in the first quarter or two lead to sloppy play on the quarter because both teams are extra nervous because of how big this game is?
1: I think so. And also the, the run-in for the end of the season for this URI team is much more challenging than what UMass has. UMass has already played the majority of the, I think, most challenging teams on their schedule. URI has Fordham and St. Joe's still to come, which was the case last year as well. I remember URI had a Fordham Dayton road trip at the end of the season that I think took them down a pack. I think they, they split those games, if I remember yeah. correctly. I think Dayton beat them and they they beat Fordham at Rose Hill. Yeah. Um but yeah I do think it's a I do think it's a big game because for UMass it's the last guaranteed Q1, Q2 game of the year. You're you're on the road at a net top 75 team. And again, because of the way mid-major basketball works and the A10 works, these two teams basically need the loser of this game on Thursday to win out the rest of the way. And that's the only way that these two teams could both end up in the in the tournament. So I do think there could be some jitters because it is a a high stakes game, but I also think there could be jitters because URI's defensive game plan is to create those jitters and UMass has really struggled to score. UMass is the best scoring offense in the A10 and URI has held them to their season low last year and I believe so far this year too. Well, now that
2: you bring up the tournament, let me lay out let's start talking about that and let me lay out a scenario for you then. Let's see if it's something you can agree with. Let's say URI wins Thursday; they go on go undefeated. UMass URI win or meet on Sunday. UMass wins that. Would you say that UMass and URI both get in at that point, or do you see would, another scenario where both teams get in?
1: I would hope so, but I, I think that's uh, certainly more likely than UMass winning, going undefeated, and beating URI in. Uh or sorry, I think that's certainly more likely than um well actually I think it's less likely, sorry, than if uh URI were to beat UMass in the A10 championship game because the thing that the committee really takes into account is uh you know the out-of-conference trains and schedule. And I-, I posted something on my Twitter this week, but URI's out of conference schedule is just is just is incredibly weak. You know, it's it's in the middle, the bottom of the middle part of the A10 in terms of how they scheduled. And I think the 20 wins is great and you can absolutely lose games that are to teams that are not challenging on the, on the schedule. And I think we saw that happen all the time, but UMass has a, 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 an out of conference strengthened schedule that's in the top 100 in the country. And, you know, they played multiple power fives away. They beat at least three tournament teams as of right now, depending on you know how these other conferences go. And I still think it's incredibly unlikely that both teams get in no matter what. I right. think it's, I think it's just really, really tricky. And I think, you know, frankly, if URI had won that Princeton game and hadn't blown it down the stretch, it would be a different story, and they'd probably be in at-large territory no matter what. But when you're only scheduling three games that can make a real impact, and you lose them, it's tough. And it's, it's. I know it's hard to schedule, right? Like, like I know that. I know Tammy faces the same problem that Tory does, which is teams. Why would a team schedule UMass or URI? Why would they schedule a 25 win, a 10 team for a guarantee because they might lose? but you lose to a bad Wake Forest team, a middle to bad Wake Forest team. That's okay. It's on the road, but the Princeton game, I think is is the, is the is yeah, a heartbreaker. That one was heartbreaking. So outside of Sam Breen, because
2: everybody knows what you get with Sam Breen, what other players that Rhodey needs to shut down on Thursday night to have a chance to take this one?
1: Well, Sydney Taylor is, uh, I think top three in the conference right now and score or top four in the conference right now and scoring. She's uh, a three point shooter who runs hot and cold, but uh, you know, she had a cold game on Saturday or rather last uh, last week when when UMass knocked off Fordham uh, midweek. But she can light it up. You know, she has multiple games of 25 plus points this year. And for a team that plays drop coverage a lot on D, you can't get burned on threes. So that's one. Um, and then I would say Bernaya Mayo who's coming off a career game herself. She just had a career high against Fordham where she hit two buzzer beaters, you know, had a triple nickel, was hitting at all three levels. She's a really important piece to contain. And then, of course, Destiny Philoxi, who uh, takes more charges than anyone else in the A-10 and also draws more fouls than anyone but Asia Dingle in the A-10. You know, if UMass can get URI in foul trouble and keep Torre out of the game or, you know, get, get one of the other impact players out of the game, I think those are the players who are key to watch. But again, UMass and URI are a unique matchup in the A-10 because both teams go seven deep with legitimate A-10 caliber players. And in this year's A-10 conference, no other team can, can boast that.
0: The only other thing I would say is so when it comes down to it, I, I think what the only thing we we need to hear on Roto Baseline from you, uh, Nathan, is your prediction for Thursday's game. What do you think is going to happen in this game to to decide? I don't want to say decide the eight ten because there's still a little bit left. But what do you think of uh, is going to happen on Thursday for for these teams?
1: You know, I'm gonna say. Last year, UMass played URI two times in the span of a week and a half, coming off a road trip where UMass played three games in six days when the entire team had just had Omicron COVID. They lost the first game, they then they then lost to Dayton the next game, which is a, a terrible way to sky it was just a really tough schedule and then roadie came in um over the next week and, and beat them as well when they played dayton in the a10 championship game they had enough time and enough health to strategically look at the tape at uh, what dayton did the first time and really they led wire to wire in that a10 championship game i think that with the three days between today's af- this afternoon's game against mason and then the thursday game rather than a wednesday game i think umass is going to be able to make the adjustments to what happened last time out and keep this a very, very, uh, competitive contest. I has, I'm not on the broadcast, so I think I can give like an actual prediction. <laughs> I think it, I think we see UMass 65 URI 63 at the Ryan center. I think it's, it's wire to wire, but yeah. And, and also like as, as much as I think that roadie had a, a weaker out of conference schedule, I do really, Tammy Reese is my favorite non Tory Verdi coach in the a 10 and, she is just such a delight and the the support that she gets, not just from the roadie community, but from Thor and from, you know, from everyone down there, like this is someone who could easily have decided to go to UVA this summer. And instead, you know, she's she's sticking around in a conference where it's pretty damn difficult to get more than one bid. And I think it's great for the A-10. It's great for women's hoops in New England to have UMass and URI, two state schools, you know, at the top of the conference for the foreseeable future as well. That's uh,
0: that's crazy, and and that's right. So, again, don't forget, URI versus UMass is happening Thursday, 6 p.m. at the Ryan Center uh, at URI, and then uh, UMass men come to the Ryan Center on Saturday uh, for a game against the men. Uh, That game happening at the Ryan Center as well. Uh, We want to thank Nathan for joining us on Rody Baseline. You can follow Nathan at Nathan P. Strauss, S-T-R-A-U-S-S. He is the play-by-play announcer for multiple UMass sports uh, for Learfield, Nesson, and ESPN Plus. Too many things to name, right? Um, yeah, I'm just
1: I'm the jack of all trades. I fill in where they, they need, need me.
2: me. <laughs> <laughs> and we want to thank Nathan again for joining us and giving us great insight on the men's and women's UMass teams. Um, like we were talking about, it's a massive game. Rody Nation, show up, show out. Each season ticket holder gets four free tickets to this UMass game. It's going to be a wild night in Kingston. You guys need to show up. This, woman, this women's team deserves it. They need it to be allowed. You win this game against UMass, you're on the verge of doing something a women's team hasn't done in history, and that's winning an A-10 championship in the regular season. So show up and give these ladies the respect they deserve. You're right. And with
0: that, we also got to chatting with Paige Messier. Paige uh, works with your view, uh, URI, ESPN Plus, and also now is an A-10 social media correspondent. Let's go to Paige's interview now.
2: All right, Rhodey fans, we are joined now by Paige Messier of Your View, currently a junior at the Harrington School of Communications, and recently just got appointed A10 content creator is how I'm going to say that. Yeah,
3: pretty for those.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Paige.
3: Yeah, thank you for having me. I always listen to you guys, love the podcast. I cannot wait to talk to you guys.
2: Oh, thanks for lying and telling you like talking to us. <laughs>
0: <Yeah. laughs> cool. Never. So, so, Paige, let let's start out with this. Why don't you tell everybody on Rudy Baseline, you know how you started with URI Athletics, kind of, you know, the journey that you've gone through uh, to now become, as Andrew said, a ten uh, content creator, where you're kind of previewing games in the men's and the women's uh, uh, leagues.
3: Right. So it's been such a fun experience. I always say this. I came in as like a bio major, so a complete change well, of. What was your first mistake? Right. (laughs) I would have made some big money as my anesthesiologist job, but I came in, I had no really interest in sports media because I didn't know about it. And then when COVID hit, I was just so bored and there was not a lot of sports going on. So I went to one of the women's basketball games and obviously it was with Tammy. Great culture around that team. So I just fell in love with it. I worked with Shane Donaldson for a really long time, my first year and a half. I was kind of his sidekick, you can say. I just helped him with everything that he does, plus like social media and stuff like that. Then I got on camera, fell in love with that. I was like, that's what I want to do because I just love the feeling of being live, being on camera. So I did color commentary and then I did sideline reporting and that is a position that I came up with. We did not have that before at URI and I, I that's my end goal. I want to be a sideline reporter and I didn't see one at URI yet. So I, I went to um, Dave Walter and he's like the broadcasting coordinator at URI and I was like, let's let's do this. Like, I'll help you make it like, let's just come up with this position. And we did it. We've done that for football and women and men's basketball. And with the A-10, that's the my favorite opportunity so far. I was their A-10 student ambassador last year. It was a very small position. I pretty much just, like took pictures of campus, not even sports related, and just like sent it to the Atlanta 10 and they posted it. And then I went to the tournament, and that – I'm not sure if you guys have been. We, go, we,
2: we try to go every year, but this year we're not going because obviously things are not the greatest. But last right. year we were in Wilmington, and if all goes well, that's a story for another day. Gary and I are going to be hopping in a car after the Davidson game and driving down to Delaware at oh 10 o'clock at night.
3: Let's hope that does go yes. well. But, but it's Knock on best- wood knock on one. it was the best experience like going to that tournament it was just such a cool atmosphere I loved being involved in like all the teams rather I love URI but just being a part of like everyone was like kind of a cool aspect of it so in this year I wanted to do it again and I was like can I like do it again and they t- didn't have that position anymore and while I was at WPRI 12 as an intern and I saw that the Patriots when I went there they had like a digital reporter and I had never known that was a position before so I was like let's do that. So I went to the A-10 and I was like, can I be like your digital, like social media, like sideline reporter? And they said, yes. So then we made that position. It's technically called the digital correspondent. But yeah, that's kind of from my beginnings from a bio major to now where I am now. But it's been so like the best experience ever just throughout college just being a part of something so like important. It's just so cool.
2: So what can fans expect to see over the next month from not just obviously hopefully all the bias towards roadie because roadie's amazing but what can we expect to see out of you covering the a10 over the next month and maybe through march madness
3: yeah so it's just gonna be um i already kind of came out with my bits per week i post about three videos on their twitter and instagram per week i work with um caitlin she's a media social media girl at um woman at the Atlantic 10, also Michael Jacobs. So I did do one hit midweek. It's just about like what's happened last weekend and what happened, what's happening for the future. That's for men's basketball. I do a woman's basketball recap. And I also just do like little hits. I know once the basketball season ends, I'm going to be doing like features on athletes and stuff like that. But then I'm going to the tournament too. And hopefully we haven't really figured out exactly what that's going to entail. But I'm hoping it's kind of like a sideline little like reporter on social media pretty much. So maybe interviewing fans, getting the fan experience out on social media. So more people end up coming to the later days to show how fun it is. Maybe hopefully interviewing players eventually. Um and I'm also one of the track and field championships too. So it's pretty much just any championship, I'll be there just covering it, giving social media all like the pretty much social media will be the in-game experience. It will be available on social media. Perfect. So that's my goal. And it's it's changing every day. Like it's a brand new position. So they're really like giving me creative freedom and letting me do what I want with it. So if you guys ever have any ideas, shoot me a text. I'm happy to always <laughs> get some new ideas. Yeah, you no. So awesome.
2: we'll look. We'll look forward to. Well, maybe we'll see you in Brooklyn, but will you be in Wilmington t- as well? I will. Perfect. And hopefully, we'll get to see you there on Sunday. I may be a little groggy because I'll be coming from Disney World too. So. Oh yeah Yeah. that's gonna if you Gary and I told you about that travel that travel day for me that's gonna be a brutal day. He's gonna have some he's gonna have have some fun with that one too.
0: Um which is gonna be great. But yeah, no, uh great coverage that you know and from what we're seeing here, a lot of that, you know, 810 social media presence, you know, obviously not saying that needs improvement, but having someone kind of talking about the games, you know, talking about what's coming up in the week, um, is huge instead of having, you know, just like a post with a, a photo, it's better off having those quick little hits so someone can can kind of look at it. Now, I know you were talking a little bit about how when you started out you were more with the women's team. Have you kind of, you know, has that kind of did Tammy Reese and all that get you to like change everything and and do that just because of her mentality or was it you know other things that kind of got you into the position you wanted to be in
3: um she was definitely a big role in it and honestly I've had a few conversations with her I don't think she even knows this but I just loved how she treated the media like the student media because when she first started there was no media coverage of basketball but just because I mean they were never successful before her so the first year we came in, it was mostly just students in there, and she treated us like such like professionals always, and it was just such a great experience to have as like a young person like trying to get confident, and especially being a woman in sports. Um, to have another woman just like showing like yeah, like you matter. Like I'll tell I'll treat you just like I treat a man that's been in here for forty years. Like it's just a, a it was a f- refreshing feeling to like get that validation. Almost, she definitely inspired me, and I started. Like you guys know, I started completely with the women's. I didn't know men's games at first just because I, the men's games do have higher viewership. So it was usually people that have been there longer that were doing their games or national broadcast. So I started off with women's and that made me really confident just going through all those games and getting the reps. And then um, I did start men too. But a big reason why I wanted to do the A10 thing too was to get, this is kind of off subject, but to get equal coverage for both. Because I do feel like a lot of the times there's a lot. Of just men's coverage, even at like URI and everywhere, you you guys see it. Like at URI, the men's games are packed. The women's games, it's only the ticket, the season ticket holders, like never the students. So I'm just trying to like change that a little bit and get equal coverage. And the A10 has done a great job, like letting me do that. Really pushing women's content out there too. So Tammy definitely did inspire me to get more involved, just because I wanted to like her word and like what she was saying. I wanted to get that out there, and like no one was talking about it. And it was just like someone has to talk about it. So I, I did a lot of that. Ania Khan did a great job in the beginning. Zach Austin. And they're still doing great things. But, um, yeah, Tammy definitely did inspire me in the beginning and still.
2: And as you bring that up in the women in sports thing, they just recently celebrated the women in sports. And I think it's like the whole week or the whole month, something like that. Well, So before we start talking about the men's and women's basketball teams, what does it mean to you to be getting into such – male dominant business but seeing the women starting to take it over a little bit and not for nothing more and more fans showing up to the women's basketball games I remember Gary and I we were at we had I think it was it was the last Saturday game I believe we were both at and there was about 1500 people there and I remember Gary I went to a women's basketball game because they gave us free pizza and there was like six people and it's just I know for me, it's great to finally see as I have so many sisters and stuff. Just ask you your opinion on it and what your favorite memory in being a woman in sports is.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I've i heard a lot of people talk about the negativities of being a woman in sports. I've always said on every podcast or every, anytime I've talked about it, I love being a woman in sports. I think it's such a cool experience, not just being a male-dominated industry, but at, at the school, I've been pretty successful at it, covering sports media. So to be able to get dms and messages from other women being like hey i saw you doing this like now i want to do this like that's there's no better feeling than you having an impact on someone else's life so i feel like my favorite part overall of being a woman is just and i don't know if it's because i'm a woman or because i'm doing a lot of coverage at uri but so many people just reaching out to me and saying i didn't think this was possible now i do like how did you do it and then me being able to help them that has really been my coolest experience and to talk about uri and the women's team no no team deserves it more than them like they when they had no fans and when they now when they do have fans they've been consistent with how they play how they practice how they talk to the media how they carry themselves so i just think it's so impressive how i mean when you put the hard work in people will come and i think that that's a testament to that team like they put the work in they were patient the program was not good before tammy kind of changed it along with the players and now that it's good people are showing up and it's kind of unfortunate that they have to be so much better than like let's say a men's sport in order for people to come up, come out but they they took that challenge and they're the best they're 10 uh, no, 11-0 and now people are finally coming because it's just when you go to the games it's just as entertaining i know people say it's a slower game it's not as aggressive if you see that team it's it's aggressive and it's fast and it's fun to watch. So when people come, they, they keep coming because they see it's a fun a fun time and it's a fun experience. So a message to anyone watching, like if you haven't watched the women play, give it a chance. Because when you come, you'll realize it's just as good or better than any other experience that you or I. So it's very exciting to see people showing up. I, I'm very excited. and As a woman in sports, it's great to see.
2: And you bring it up that fans should give them a chance, and that leads us into our next topic because we have probably one of the biggest weeks in URI women's basketball coming up, and that starts Thursday night at 6 o'clock at the Ryan Center where I know it's lofty goals, but we need to get 7,500 people in that building on Thursday night for the battle of the Atlantic 10. Quite frankly, Gary and I have talked about this, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but that game Thursday night against UMass is – all-intensive purposes, winner gets into the dance, in my opinion. And yeah. you're around the team a lot. What can you tell us as they're getting ready to prep for that game and how how are they trying to avoid the letdown game between that game? Because we all know what the next game is, but getting to that game is just as important.
3: Right. I think the mindset of a team right now is just most of the teams are your eye. It's just day by day, go each day at a time and just win every single day. It's such a huge game. It kind of reminds me of last year when it was URI versus Dayton, and the fans showed up during that game. I unfortunately had COVID, so I could not go to that game. Of
0: course, of course you did. Because why? Right. What, with what luck? Of course, during the biggest game of the
2: year.
3: Exactly. That so- Dayton
2: game, I will say though, as as a fan who go- has probably missed three home games in the last eight years, that that game was just as loud as any PC URI game. That Dayton really? game last year, it was an incredible atmosphere and. Sorry to cut you off on that, but I just wanted to no. get you in.
3: No, it's okay. I literally cried when I when I realized because I, I was supposed to announce that game, and then I got COVID. I cried. I was like, "There's no way I'm missing that one game." Whatever, though. Moving on. I am so excited to see this game. I think people are going to show up, and if they haven't, if they're not going to, please come because the last press conference we were in it was um after the win. What was our last win? URI.
2: Oh, that yeah. was it. Was GW? Um... GW.
3: Right. She told the media to like spread the announcement, like the fans help bring the fans in the environment as much as like, you don't want to say the fans run the game. The fans have a huge part of the game when you're down or you're kind of even the fans are what will give you the edge in a game. So it's so important that people come and support our women. They, I don't want to say they deserve it, but like they have earned it. They have earned the right to have a crowd at the Ryan center. And I think it's so, so important for people to come support our women Um, they've worked so hard, and their mindset honestly is just like win every single game. We asked Tammy about like all the national, um, accolades, like how that makes her feel, and honestly, she didn't like. She was like, I don't care about the national accolades. Like I know my team's good, but like we gotta we gotta prove it. So I think this game is. I don't want to say she's trying to prove herself because like the team's already proved themselves, but this is a big moment for this team to show like we are the best. No one can. I mean, we beat. I don't say we. You or I beat UMass on the road before. So we they know they can do it again. I think they do have confidence going to this game, but it's definitely going to be a tough game. And to get the true like home court advantage, fans do need to show up. So I really am hoping I'm almost begging Rody Nation to just show up, come <laughs> to the oh, game.
2: We we've been begging and we'll keep begging all week. And yeah. I think and I think Gary and I, we we talked about this team. We talked about it last week. There's just something about this team. And I know there's not a lot of carryover from last year's team. I think you only have Emma Renat, Maya Torre, Dolly, and Sophie, who were really were big parts of last year's team. That experience against St. Joe's is, I think, the driving force to this year. And I don't see them losing to UMass on their home floor on Thursday night. And I think – what happened last year, the team playing as fast as they are, you just don't see many teams play moving the ball up the court as much as they are. And that half-court shot on Wednesday night was insane.
3: I had to stay calm on press row because you're not supposed to cheer on press row, but I was really struggling not to cheer. But the one thing that you say about this team that really surprised me was that there's no, not a lot of carryover from last year at all. i I'm not going to lie to you. After last season, I was like, oh, no, our starting five is leaving. Like, what are we going to do? And I think it really just shows how talented Tammy Reese is and her coaching staff, not only at coaching, but at recruiting and, like, seeing a vision for a team. Because she completely took five new girls, almost, I think, I think, like, ten players play consistently. It's crazy. But took a whole new team and made it even better than last year. Like, people thought the season was over. We had Dolly back, and that was pretty much it. And, like, even – looking at Maya Torre, her improvement over the past year and her development is just insane. Like, it's crazy what – and it's a lot of their hard work too, the players' hard work, but what Tammy, like, does for just inspiration of her players and development, it's just – it's mind-blowing. I'm a, I'm a big Tammy Reese fan. Um, oh, she, we, yeah, we are we too. Love
2: <laughs> Tammy Reese's royalty around these parts.
3: She's awesome. She's just the oh, best. We
2: love her. One of the nicest people ever, and we we yes. love Tammy. And if you're listening, Coach – Please kick UMass's ass on Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we really don't like the Minutemen. We want them to have a nice long trip back up to Amherst. Amherst. But uh, I think Gar- Gary and I talked about it. We we kind of came to the conclusion we beat UMass on Thursday night. We finished the regular season undefeated, and we make it to sun. We make it to the Sunday of the A10 tournament, and it's URI UMass for a spot in the national chan- in the NCAA tournament that. If you or I were to, obviously we want to win that, but for the conference as a whole, and with your new aspect on the conference, maybe you can shed some light into this, that if you or I and UMass are there on Sunday, but UMass takes that third game where we were undefeated regular season champs and UMass won the tournament, that that's the way to get the A-10 as a two-bid league. And I think that's ultimately would be okay with everybody.
0: Yeah, Yeah, we want to get get
2: your thoughts on that, Paige.
3: Yeah, I think that's the that's what should happen. I think that's, but I I'm not sure if they tend to a, a two bid league currently. I hope so. I really hope so. Working with the A10 now, like I want as many bids as possible because I think it's super cool. And even with don't well, get news, me wrong,
2: screw everybody else. You or I take care of their damn business and win both championships.
3: <laughs> I plead the fifth, but um, but I I do think that. I think that would be the only way that we would get the two bids would be if it was the URI UMass at the end. Um, I personally, I don't know if that will, ha- if that will happen. I hope right. so. I-, I want as many bids as possible. Now that I love the A-10 now, I, I honestly, these games are just exciting as a whole. Cause UMass URI, these are two big name schools. Like, Either way, I'm not saying say I want someone to win or lose. Either way, it's going to be a great game and it's going to be great for the Atlantic 10. And I think it's impressive just how far a lot of these programs have come in the past few years. So I think either way, it's going to be a great game and we should get the Ryan Center packed.
2: Oh, I completely agree with you. I think Wednesday night or Thursday night, not only is going to be the game of the year in the A-10, it very well, you can make an argument that it's going to be the game of the year for New England women's college basketball. And there's going to be a lot of eyes in Kingston on Thursday night and All you roadie fans, students, alumni, regular fans, mom and Papa Joe on the side of the street. you got nothing to do. Come into the Ryan Center on Thursday night. You'll hear Gary and I screaming loudly. You'll see some great college basketball. And then you can stick around or you can come in a day earlier and see our men play VCU in the Battle of the Rams and see all the success that they're having. It's true,
0: Andrew. Andrew I don't not- mean to cu- I don't mean to cut you off, but I just want to uh, say one other thing too. So, if you have URI men's season tickets, just for everyone to know, there was an email that came out. You can get up to four free tickets uh, for the URI UMass women's game on Thursday. So there's, so there's no-, no
3: reason not to come.
0: Nope, no reason to not show up to this game. Um, there is a you know a way if to it's do free, it. To free. It's mail. for me. Yeah, there's no reason. <laughs> bring yourself. Bring three of the friends. Pack this Ryan Center 75. They don't even have
2: to be friends. Just stick Keeney Blue on them and tell them to scream and you'll buy them a beer. (laughs)
0: Exactly. I like that. I like that.
2: I noticed this season at home you have been sidelined interviewing a coach at halftime, and not many people get the insight to the men's team. So what can you tell us about the men's team and talking to the coaches that not many people can get throughout the season?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think – What I've kind of, after looking at the season, just going through it, this is, everyone knows it's a process. When a new coach comes in, it's not going to be, you're winning the A-10 in a second. What I think, though, is that the coaching staff is really pushing this team and there's hard work going in constantly. And maybe the results aren't there yet, but what they have done is done really well at home, which I think is a huge step. They're giving... A good game to the fans to see the ticket holders they're putting on a good show and then the thing that they need to work on going forward is just playing on the road so i think it, there's a lot of great things happening with this team i think there's a like really really great future ahead there's some a few key things about this team that are really great and i can see that going really well in the future um just overall i think patience is a is a huge thing with this program Arch, coach Archie Miller, he's a very passionate guy. You can see it all the time. He treats media super well, always respectful, always timely, like great, great coach and great with the media. And all the assistant coaches as well. It's a great coach and staff. They know how to develop a team, but development takes time. So I think that there's a lot of hard work going in. People need to remember these are students. They're they're working hard. They're balancing school, life, all these things. So they're putting work in and it will come. The time Their time will come. Just give it some time. But even this year, I think they've done a lot of great things. Again, on the road, they've struggled. But at home, I've seen so. those are the only games I've really seen, really. I, I see the other ones, obviously, on TV. But at home, they know how to play. So I think that in the coming years, we'll see a really, really impressive URI team. And Coach Miller will be at the head of that. So just keep your faith in him. Mm. Yeah,
2: just the three short months, we have definitely seen – very very steadily improvements obviously finishing games and rebounding are still big things because they let that one against st louis on wednesday night get away but other than that but i definitely agree that there's definitely don't give up on this team yet
0: uh but with that we thank you Paige, so much if you don't follow Paige, make sure to follow her uh her twitter handle is at page messier tv am i right Yeah. Yeah. Also on Instagram as well. Um, And obviously you can follow her on the A10 socials as well. She's going to be going through and posting about, you know, obviously the game's coming up for the men and the women and heading to both the women's and the men's tournaments over in March. Thank you, Paige. (laughs) All right. We want to thank Paige for joining us on the podcast. And with that, that ends this episode of Rudy baseline. As we said at the beginning of the podcast, don't forget, there is a huge game happening Thursday for the women at, URI against UMass that game at six o'clock free tickets up to four of them for season ticket holders. And if you don't have season tickets and you want to just go buy them, they're, they're inexpensive. Get to the Ryan center. These ladies deserve to see your sport uh, for this game. And don't forget the men have a game Wednesday at 7 PM against VCU. And then at two o'clock on Saturday against UMass, get to those games as well. And with that, that ends this episode of Rudy baseline follow us Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Rody Baseline, and as always, go.